0: I am going to tell you a story that a powerful state doesn't want you to know, about tens of thousands who have disappeared.
1: Once they get into the hands of the military, they will be tortured brutally.
0: It's a story so dangerous to tell that for some, it's meant ending up on a kill list.
1: She was seen as a dangerous political actor
0: and a threat to Pakistan's security, but she was a local hero. The Kill List, a six-part investigative podcast, available now. Get early access to episodes at cbc.ca slash listen or by subscribing to the CBC True Crime Premium channel on Apple Podcasts. This
1: is a CBC Podcast. In the Canadian art world, few reach the art-collecting heights. Of Michael Audane, The Vancouver developer and philanthropist has spent a lifetime building an enormous collection. He has made hundreds of those pieces from his private collection public. He has a museum in Whistler, where 200 of his pieces live, and has planned to donate $100 million to the Vancouver Art Gallery for construction of a new building. Now, his collection of paintings and the stories behind them are featured in a new book, Pictures on the Wall, Building a Canadian Art Collection. When I was in Vancouver this fall, I met Michael in his office at Polygon Homes, where he sits as chairman. Here's our conversation. Can I ask you about the view that we're looking at right now? We're kind of towering over the city of Vancouver in many ways.
0: With the low cloud, you unfortunately can't see the mountains today, but um, you do see a spectacular number of buildings, mostly apartments, but some office buildings and um, <laughs> Of course, you see what Vancouver's all about. You see the waterfront and the ships waiting to come into port, and um, I, I believe you see the hotel where uh, you're staying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not far. Um, as we are walking through your office, just extraordinary pieces of art that are here. Can you tell me about this one that we're looking at right now? Uh, this
0: is uh, a work by uh, Tacton Abbey. He depicted the Jordan River on the... Um, west coast of Vancouver Island where it goes into the sea and where as a small boy around 10 or 11 years old I would be crouching behind a log at about uh, six in the morning. I'd be holding the dog while my father was banging away at the ducks as they were um, flying in from the uh, spending the night out at sea. Very evocative piece of art, I must say.
1: Why do you have it here in your office?
0: Well, it uh, reminds me of where I came from and the um, the coast, which I, I uh, love so much.
1: Tell me a little bit about, about growing up there and, and how where you grew up has shaped who you are and, and how you see the city.
0: Well, I, uh, I grew up par- partly in Europe and... Uh, France and England and Ireland during the war. Then after the war came to uh, British Columbia. The best day of my life is depicted in this work of art just over here. This is the um, Princess Victoria, an old CPR ferry. And uh, July the 5th of uh, 1947, she was the uh, ferry that I I, uh, sailed on, on my arrival on the um, West Coast, coming across from uh, Europe to um, Victoria, B.C. Why was it the best day? It it changed my life. It uh, was the genesis of my love of um, Canada and uh, particularly the West Coast.
1: What do you love about the West Coast?
0: Uh, The West Coast, to me, is uh, it's the uh, it's the future. The West Coast, to me, is the, the history of where the, um, the tree-clad land uh, meets the uh, sea, and it's an uh, area where people have been making important art for thousands of years. For a lot
1: of people, they'll have kind of a gateway piece of art that kind of leads them into loving art, something that they saw when they were young that kind of changed their life in many ways, a painting or a sculpture or something like that. What was that for you?
0: Um... Probably the greatest impression that was uh, made on me was uh, with the art of the original people of the northwest coast at the age of 10. I started to go to um, Saturday morning lectures at the Royal BC Museum. And afterwards, I would wander through the stacks of the museum and just marveling at the... um, works of art that uh, had been collected there. That was really my introduction to art. It wasn't European art. It was the art of the original people of the Northwest Coast which is such a, a special form, an important form of um, of visual expression.
1: Was there art in your house when you were growing no, up? No, there was
0: no art in my house. Uh, on the walls of my house were mostly pictures of um, men in white-jawed pores and their polo ponies and that sort of thing. Um, there was one... Uh, print of a, an Arbutus tree that I used to admire every morning but that was about it
1: When did you start to see art as something that could be on the walls of your house and more?
0: Well I, I went to boarding school on t- in uh, Ontario and um, it was there that I started to put um, art on the walls or around my bed in the dormitory. And it was mostly um, a mixture of old master uh, prints and also some uh, pictorials from um, the early issues of uh, Playboy magazine. <laughs> it's quite a mix. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: and so... As, as you start to move your way through the world of business, um, when did you think that you could begin to amass a collection?
0: Well, I, I, we, we, uh, I, I started collecting art when I was still a student, and um, what I could afford was uh, $25, uh, and then I moved up to $50, and um, it took uh, quite some years before I was able to pay $100 for a work of art. My first job uh, was with Canadian Pacific Airlines, I uh, I earned 140 a month to start with.
1: <laughs> and so you'd take a chunk out of that,
0: I guess so, yeah,
1: and buy a piece of art. Do you, do you consider yourself an, an artistic person? Like, are you somebody who creates art at all? Uh,
0: n- not in the slightest. Not I, in the slightest. Uh, no, I I, uh, I have no uh, talent whatsoever in that area. So I, I just admire people who can um, make art. I really admire them.
1: How do you? discern what it is
0: that you want? You, you have to look at it. The artist Gordon Smith told me once that uh, he told his students, and by the way, I've never taken a formal course in art uh, other than at grade school, but he, he told his students, you, you have to look, you have to look, and you have to look again. So I guess I, I spent um, many hours, many um, months, and probably years in tramping through um, art museums uh, in um, North America and uh, in Europe.
1: When you look and look and then look again, what are you actually looking for, do you think? I, I
0: just look for a, a work that um, speaks to me. <laughs> That's really uh, what I'm interested in, is something that speaks to me. I don't have any formal, um, for many years, I didn't have any formal plan. The only thing is, once I um, develop an interest in an artist, I, f- I find it hard to stop collecting their work.
1: Rippel is
0: one of those people. Uh, Jean-Paul cer certainly is. Uh, he, he's an artist that... Um, I met through his paintings when I was um, 15 or 16 years old. I couldn't afford to buy one of his works to, until I was into um, probably my early 70s, I think. But since then, I, I, I have about, let's see, I guess it's about four dozen re um works of, in oil and, and works on paper.
1: There's one over my left shoulder. There is, yes. Tell me about this painting that we're looking
0: at. Well, I, I think that's from his mosaic period where he, he wouldn't use a paintbrush. He created the art with a band and with a, with a palette knife. A lot of people would call it abstract. It wasn't until I started reading interviews with him that he, I learned that he said that I, I never made one um, work of abstract art in my life. What, what I did was I, I came closer to the work itself, closer to the art than, than any man has done before.
1: What do you get i mean there 's paintings here in your office and at your home there are many more pieces of art as well. What do you get from surrounding yourself with with those pieces of art
0: well uh, it it's, it's a it 's a fascinating um, experience uh, I recall during the um, pandemic when um, my wife Yoshi and myself were shut up in our house for uh, quite a while Uh, we have a beautiful house right on the waterfront so we certainly weren't uh, suffering but but what we did we we got to live with uh, with our artists and the art and and uh, and it it was just uh, something that uh, brought us closer to to the uh, to the art during that period and it was something that we would discuss because different people appreciate art in different ways and so uh, Yoshi would see things in, say, Jean-Paul Riappel's work, but I wouldn't see, and we, we'd talk about it.
1: Still, even even though that they've been hanging on your wall for so long?
0: Yeah, of course, yes.
1: There are many people who buy pieces of art as an investment, as as a transaction. It's stashed away, it will be sold at some point in time for hopefully more money. Um, you, Is that how you operate
0: at all? Not exactly, because most of the art that we can no longer accommodate, we want to share with the the public. So we donate it to museums across the country, and so you'll find uh, our donations in the National Gallery of Canada or in the Vancouver Art Gallery, and most particularly in the um, art museum that uh, we founded in Whistler, B.C.,
1: why did you want to do that, and wh- what's the motivation in that, in making sure that other people have the opportunity to see what you have?
0: I, I, I think it's a, a motivation common to most collectors, uh, whether they collect postage stamps or, or cars or whatever. They, they, they want to share. They want other people to appreciate to what they appreciate and give them the opportunity to do that.
1: And I know in the book you write about your kind of ambivalence on the word collector. What's a better word to describe how you think about art and what you're doing with art?
0: Well, I guess the, the word that uh, comes closer to my mind is uh, I'm a groupie. A groupie? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I, I'm, a, uh, I'm, a, I'm an art groupie, I'm an artist groupie in some cases. That's what I am. Like uh, two of the most important artists in my collection, I think, uh, are Jean-Paul Riappel and also Emily Carr. I, I never met... Either um, artist, on the other hand, I I believe, uh, because I've lived with their work for so many years, I believe I I know them very well. Does Uh, it
1: feel like that if you're surrounded by Emily Carr's work, for example?
0: I do know her extremely well because I I know that uh, when I um, go into the uh, dark West Coast woods, I see and I feel her presence. And and then vice versa in her paintings, I, I see the same thing. Or I see her glorious skies over the waterfront, and I, I I know her very well.
1: Let me ask you about masks. There's a mask in this office as well. You have a huge collection of masks.
0: I, I've collected masks. I've been fascinated with them. The historic masks are, are mostly um, in our museum in Whistler.
1: And these are these are indigenous masks?
0: Yes, of course, uh, uh, West Coast uh, masks. And uh, the one on the wall here is uh, a mask by uh, a master carver of northern British Columbia called uh, Bo Dick, and uh, he's just a great carver.
1: I'd heard that you talked to the masks.
0: I do. I I used to talk to the masks, the historic masks in my my house, but more importantly, they they talked to me I collected them from Europe and many parts of the United States. I, I brought them back to the, um, the West Coast, closer to where they they came from. And um, I, I just felt that when I would see, you know, visit them in the morning, that there that, that was a a real um, relationship there. And um, of all the artworks, and uh, oh, a couple of hundred have left our house to go to. Um, Whistler and other museums. The the ones I I probably uh, miss the most are, are the old marsh um, made sometimes hundreds of years ago around the in the winter around the um, the campfire or in the big uh, houses that the uh, indigenous people lived in on this coast. What would they say to you? They would say something uh, often about the. Um, relationship between us and the uh, the creatures of the um of the land and the the sea and the sky they 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 would say that we're all the same family so that we should uh, care respect and and care for each other that's what they would say to me
1: has that influenced who you are and and how you live your life
0: i i don't <laughs> i don't know but it, it certainly has um influenced uh you know my any religious thoughts I, I have uh, I am officially a Christian and I have been since childhood but I also uh, have to admit a, a tremendous affinity for the um, the teachings of the people of the northwest coast.
1: there are many um, in First Nations communities that are trying to repatriate pieces of art that might have been stolen and spirited off to other parts of the world trying to bring them back. What do you think of that?
0: I, I think it's uh, very, um, very important. It's it's very laudable. So uh, what what I've done really is to to bring the um, works back to the west coast. In some cases, we have uh, sent them on to indigenous uh, museums, such as in uh, in Prince Rupert or Umister Museum, in in the Alert Bay or the the Haida Gwaii Museum. Um, and uh, who knows? In in the fullness of time, that more more of that uh, could, could well happen. Do you think
1: that's important? That some of the pieces, perhaps that you might have, go back to those communities that I, they I, came from years I, and years and years ago.
0: I, I think if, if the people want them back, and, and the good thing is that communities uh, such as the uh, Nishka Nation and others are um, creating their own museums. And uh, we'll be able to um, look after the, the, these works of art for, um, hopefully, in, in perpetuity.
1: What about more broadly when it comes to your collection? I mean, you said in the fullness of time. Where do you expect that collection
0: to end up? Well, a lot of the collection is now in Whistler. All the Jean-Paul Riopelles are going to um, le Musée National des Beaux-Arts du Québec where we are um, donating uh, our collection to go into a, a new uh, pavilion that our foundation is helping build. Uh, we've already uh, donated our uh, Paul-Émile Bourdois collection to to that museum. And uh, the, the one collection that I don't have a home for yet is our Mexican uh, modernist collection. We have the only Mexican modernist collection in um, in Canada and Canada. Um, I'm, I'm really in the process of looking for a home for that uh, at the moment.
1: But your belief is that that, that all should be donated. That it, it goes back into public hands, so the public can see this.
0: I, I, I think it's very important that to, to work be shared with the um, with the public. Uh, absolutely.
1: You donated what 100 million dollars towards the building of the new Vancouver Art Gallery.
0: Our, our foundation has made a pledge of that amount, and we're, we're hoping that the um, People involved with the um, Vancouver Art Gallery will, um, will move along uh, expeditiously so that it starts soon, hopefully next year.
1: I'm speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis.
0: I'm Jeff Turner and this is Recall. It's a series about history, not the ancient past, but
1: history that's still hot to the touch. In this first season, I explore a revolutionary political movement that brought a modern democracy to the brink. You can find Recall, How to Start a Revolution, on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a really hard time for a lot of people, and there are people who have difficulty eating this city that we're looking at over now who have difficulty getting food on the table, have difficulty having a roof over their heads, and they might hear $100 million to an art gallery and th- their eyebrows would shoot off the top of their head. How do you reconcile the two?
0: Um, I, I don't have too much difficulty in reconciling it because um, I, 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 I am a strong believer in uh, culture. I'm a strong believer in art. <laughs> I, I kind of uh, feel that in, in Canada, um, our governments at all levels really don't do enough to support the arts and culture in this country. After all, arts and culture is uh, one of those things that uh, really uh, binds the country together or should bind us together as Canadians. And and, um, so uh, really it's incumbent on those of us uh, with the means to um, step in and uh, do what uh, in many uh, countries government would be doing. I have to say as <laughs> a word of defense that um, uh, my wife and I um outside of our foundation, we do uh, uh, try to do things uh, directly more directly for the um for the community.
1: Can I just ask you about philanthropy you've and and it's not just philanthropy, but as you said, people with means and their responsibility to the broader community. you've talked about an estate tax in Canada and the need for for a significant estate tax as well what is your responsibility do you think as somebody who has been successful to the community that you live in you live here you love this place
0: that's right well i i (laughs) i don't describe myself as a socialist these days but uh, although I, i i certainly did at one time but i i don't think we need to leave a lot of money to our our descendants i think it's uh I think it's more important if we, we have been fortunate to, um, to create some wealth that we, we, um, we return that to the community.
1: Let me ask you just a couple of questions about your day job, if you don't mind. Um, Certainly. You founded this company, Polygon Homes, in the 80s? Uh,
0: yes, we started in 1980. You've been in the housing business for a long time. Uh, I, I, I've been interested in housing a, a lot longer than that. I used to be a housing policy consultant and, um, before I uh, started building homes.
1: What do you make of the, the crisis, not just in this city, but right across the country, coast to coast
0: to coast? I, I think it's uh, re- really, really sad. You know, the, the crux of it is that uh, in many parts of the country, we, we haven't been uh, building enough homes for, for our people. Uh, go- governments, in in many ways, of being uh, an impediment to 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 uh, home building, ra- rather than encouraging home building. And uh, I, I I recall that uh, you know towards the end of the uh, Second World War, C. D. Howe, who was a uh, big time minister in Ottawa, he he, he created uh, Canada Mortgage and Housing, and and he um, started to have homes built right across the country by the federal government for returning veterans because uh, it was no, w- predicted that there would be a population explosion right after the war. So there was a strong federal element in in, in those days. And, uh, right, you know, as a, a home builder we, and uh, myself and my colleagues, we, we would love to, to build more housing and uh, of all kinds uh, housing for uh, young people old people and and housing for um single mothers and and people who who can't afford to participate in the market but uh we 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 don't have have the land uh, and we we are we we can't build to the extent that we we would like and what and what the community needs but i think i think the, the the i think that realization is gradually uh, changing now, I, I think governments are starting to realize that they need to um, be more proactive and and they, they, they need to um, allow the market to work better. For instance, in the old days, mm. cities used to redevelop from single family to low rise and then eventually high rise. But uh, I think in in Vancouver, where we're situated today, I I think over 80% of of the the land in the city of Vancouver is devoted to single-family homes. And that's
1: the same in parts of Toronto and other major cities as well. Yeah. Do you think those municipalities – I mean, the federal government has trained its laser beam in some ways on those municipalities, the leader of the opposition even more so, saying if you don't allow for the densification of communities, we'll withhold funding for you for a number of things is, is that is that the right approach
0: I, I i think there has to be a carrot and a stick approach uh, like we have in british columbia our, our premier david eby has uh, developed something that uh, all of us in the industry call the naughty list it's identifying 10 uh, municipalities in the province that he feels have been holding up uh, housing production and i think there will be more on that list and and he has made the declaration that if if these municipalities don't greatly uh, increase their housing starts, there will be penalties. On the other hand, he says that there will be rewards for them in terms of uh, provincial funds for different amenities and that sort of thing.
1: What's at stake if we don't get this right?
0: I, I, I think we're just going to see... Um, more uh, homelessness, and we'll also see some people moving out of the country and out of our um, out of our main cities. I know that's happening already. So that's that's one thing. But the hardship that uh, shortage of housing uh, creates, uh, you know, it, it is is also very much concerning the uh, mental health of the population. If people feel insecure, and they don't have in their their homes. They, they they're going to um, not be uh, secure and um, in other ways, they won't be able to be uh, productive or um, or healthy. So uh, we, we do need to create a lot more housing in in Canada, and it's something that we've done before, and and I think we can uh, do again.
1: You need that wartime effort to make it happen. It's always I I,
0: I think we we need to have a wartime mentality. That there is a, a crisis here, and we need to marshal all our um, expertise, our, our financial resources, and um, and uh, also um, some people need to get out of the way, the the the, the nimby groups who who are uh, very happy to get out to to campaign against an apartment on their street or, or something like that. They, we've always had them. But some, because of our our political structures, they they can be very influential at the level of local government.
1: We started in talking about the city and the art that surrounds you in the office. Um, These are really difficult times, and I just wonder whether there's one piece that you go to kind of as comfort, one piece that gives you some sort of stability, some sort of grounding.
0: Well, you know, um, for a long time I used to sort of play that game of Uh, Desert Island disc in my head and saying if I (laughs) If the house catches on fire which should run out (laughs) Exactly and uh, we had a situation where we got uh, some leaks in the ceiling my my wife well she chose to grab the Emily cars and take them out of the living room but um, no I can't really uh, say uh, I I don't really think in that terms because you know I I don't think about who who is my favourite grandchild and, and I can't I can't do the same to, to my art. Um it's it's all all important to me. I find art uh, really inspires me. Um if I'm in a public gathering and um, I'm listening to some uh, monotonous um, speech of some kind, my eye always goes to the art on the wall. I turn and I turn off my ear, <laughs> and um, so um, that show you know indicates a little bit about the importance of art and uh, visual art in my life. And I and I think Canadians generally uh, are are uh, becoming more and more interested in art. I find it doesn't always uh, get reflected in, in government, except in the province of Quebec, where I've been spending some time lately, because I, I, I think they believe it's uh, part of their national identity. And I, I think as Canadians, we, we can feel the same, uh, say, uh, some of the works of the Group of Seven, or some of the uh, more contemporary um, artists we ha- we have today. Uh, I I know that from coast to coast, there is a tremendous affinity for the work of um, Emily Carr, and and that's, uh, that's wonderful to hear. It's
1: a real pleasure to talk to you about your day job, but also the work that surrounds you while you're doing that day job. Thank you very much. Thank you. Michael Audain is a Vancouver philanthropist and developer. His new book is Pictures on the Wall, Building a Canadian Art Collection. I spoke with him in Vancouver in October.